We've all done it at some point. Many of us, uh, it started when we were really little. You know, many of us, we have this desire in us to be loved and to be accepted. And so in order to get that love and acceptance, sometimes, sometimes we try to fit in. Sometimes we try to hide. Sometimes we, we pretend to be something we aren't so that the people who like a certain thing or act a certain way will like us. You know, we do it when we're little. So many of us, when we were kids, we had moments in our lives where a friend or someone in school or someone somewhere would say, hey, do you like this? And you'd say, well, yes, of course I do. And truthfully, you have no idea what this is. They would ask you about this cool new band that they heard about. And you're like, yeah, they're amazing. I heard them too. And you have no idea what they're talking about. But you want to be loved and accepted. So you say, yeah, for sure. I know. I know all about that. I know. I know it all. I love it. It starts young. It starts when we get praise for acting a certain way. So we go, okay, well, I got to keep acting that way to be praised more and more. Or the other way, we go, I don't get attention unless I act badly. So I'll act badly, because all attention is good attention. We act a certain way to get what we want. And sometimes we're pretending to do it. We learn it young, but it doesn't go away. So many of us, we keep pretending to be accepted. We keep pretending to be loved. We have this idea that if we just act this way or talk this way or like this thing, then we too will be liked, loved. And if anything, it's become even more significant in our lives as we grow older because as adults, we're inundated with imagery in social media and media in general about what we should be like to be liked. We have these pictures and these images and we have these videos and these stories of these people and you get this impression like if you just act this way, you just like this thing, you will be loved. And we all want to be loved. But where does this come from? Where does this initial idea that we need to pretend to be accepted come from? Why do we start doing it? I don't know about you, I don't know what your journey has been like, but there is a chance that at some point you pretended in order to be accepted. We've done it. We do it still. And with social media, we do it so much so that we present a version of ourselves that is really make-believe, pretend, not the fullness of who we are, not ever the bad stuff. So that people will give us some likes, some follows, some appreciation, because we crave it so much. All of us pretend to be accepted. And it comes from this root, I believe, that has this idea implanted in us. That somehow we are just not interesting. We are just nothing special. We are just incredibly unimpressive. And so in order to impress, we need to pretend. 
We need to act a certain way. We need to make people think we are something we're not so we can be impressive to them and they can like us. And we are liked and we appreciate it. So we keep doing it. We keep doing it. We keep doing it. So many of us have this thought in our head that we are nothing special. That we are just so incredibly unimpressive that nothing we do, maybe even could be that special or memorable that people will think about it unless we try to cater to them, we try to pretend, we try to be something we're not. But what if I was to tell you that you are far from unimpressive in God's eyes? What if I was to tell you that God actually has a word to describe you and it is anything but unimpressive? It is anything but boring. It is anything but unimportant. In fact, he has one specific word that gets used by the Apostle Paul that means so much to us, and if we embrace it, it can change everything. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Behind the Mask. And as we've been exploring a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to some people a long time ago, He has been telling those people and us about what God really thinks about us, about who we really are. Because so many of us try to pretend. We try to be something so that we can be liked by others. We try to do things to gain appreciation from others. And we're faking it. And we fake it so long, sometimes we forget who we are behind these masks that we wear. And we need that reminding from God about who we really are, or we may lose sight of it completely. And so as we explore together, there are some things that God says about us. Well, he says that we are chosen, that he chose us before creation. He chose his people to be his people, and that in Christ, he adopted us, and that In Christ, we are made alive. We have become part of God's family because in Christ, when we find ourselves in Christ, it changes who we are completely. We move from death to life because God has chosen us. When God sees us, he doesn't see us as our faults, as our sin, but he sees us as blameless because we are in Christ, adopted into his family and made alive. But there's one more statement that he makes about us as people, about you, about me, about everybody, that I think is pivotal in our understanding of who we are. And it comes from the same passage that we looked at in the last message. But it comes right at the end, and it is so very important for our understanding of who we really are behind those masks we wear to gain acceptance from others. And it comes up in... Ephesians chapter 2. And so Ephesians 2, as we read previously, it says this. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so no one can boast. So Paul's trying to make it clear to them, to us, that we are saved by grace, that God in his love, in his mercy, he poured it out to us. When we were not deserving to be loved, he loved us anyways. And that in Christ, he brought us from death to life. And that we've been raised up with. That we used to live a certain way that we're following our own desires and we were subject to God's wrath because God said, fine, do your own thing. Experience your pain. Experience life without me, which is incredibly horrible. And he says, fine, take it. Do your thing. But he was still at work and still present and still working for us to be recognizing that he had chosen us, he had adopted us, he had made us alive in Christ. And when we embrace that, we embrace the fact that we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, that there's nothing we did that got us to the place we are with God. It's all God. God lavishly loves you, that nothing will stop him from letting you know that. And nothing you do can stop him from loving you. You can't earn it, and you can't stop it. He just loves you. And he loves you so much that he came to earth to walk with us, to be with us, to experience all of the good, all of the bad, and to be present in the flesh, in Jesus, to die on that cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be made whole in his resurrection and be made alive again. And that in him we find that life that we desire so deeply. But here's the point that I really want to drive into is what he says right after all these amazing truths about what God has done for us, and that even though we couldn't do it on our own, he did it for us. He says this in verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. Some of you, you've read it in different translations, and I like the word that a lot of them use. It says that we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ to do good works that he prepared for us. God has made a masterpiece, and its name is you. There's a word that Paul uses to describe what I have in mine as handiwork, what you might have in yours as masterpiece. And in Greek, it's the word pameo. And this word comes up twice in the New Testament, but it's where we get our word for poetry from. 
Paul says, we are God's pomeo. We are God's great poem. We are his work of art, his masterpiece. And we were created in Christ, that the creator of the universe made something and called it a masterpiece. And the thing he called a masterpiece was you and me. The most beautiful work of art that God has made is you and me. I know that sometimes I look in the mirror and that's not my thought. Oh, no. You know, I've seen sunsets. And if you've seen a sunset, you know a sunset is incredible. A sunset is beautiful. Actually, even a sunrise is incredible, though I don't like to be up that early. And I've seen mountains. I've flown over the mountains in B.C., and it is incredible. And I've seen butterflies, and they're beautiful. And I've seen the ocean, and I love it. And it's incredibly powerful and gorgeous. But none of those things are pameos to God. None of those things, as beautiful, as wonderful as they are, and he made them. So imagine how amazing he is at creating. None of them are masterpieces. Just you, just me. We are the masterpiece. Paul says, he has made a masterpiece, a pomeo, a beautiful poem, a handiwork, the most great and gorgeous thing ever, and its name is you. And you have a purpose. That in Christ you were created. And that in Christ you were made to do good works. Just before he said, works don't save you. Jesus did that on his own. Meaning you don't do good things to try and get God to love you. Because that doesn't work. Because God's already loving you. You do good things because God loves you. The pouring out of his love on you, through you, in you, comes out in how you act and love others. It's just how it happens. And that you are a masterpiece, that in Christ he made a masterpiece, and it's you. And that masterpiece should know how loved it is. And out of that love should come some great, amazing works that he prepared for us. You are a masterpiece. I usually don't feel like a masterpiece. Usually I look in the mirror and that's not what I'm thinking when I'm looking at combing my hair or trimming my beard or brushing my teeth. If I step on a scale, there's definitely no thoughts of a masterpiece going on in my head. But what I think about me and what God thinks about me aren't the same. And so I can either go, okay, well, what do I think about me? Well, I don't think I'm a masterpiece. I think a sunset's a masterpiece. I mean, I think the mountains are a masterpiece. I think works of art I've seen in museums are masterpieces, but me, not so much. But that's not what God says. I might not feel like a masterpiece, but that's not what God says. And the fact is that God says that I am his male, his masterpiece. That I am in Christ, the best thing he's done. And so are you. So are you. And nothing I do can make me more of a masterpiece. Nothing I do can make God love me more. Nothing I do can even stop God from loving me. So because I am so loved, because God has poured everything into this great creation that he calls people, 
who are intrinsically valued because they are made in his image and they are deeply loved and meant to love others because that's who God is and that's how he's made us. And these amazing creatures called people who don't look in the mirror and think masterpiece, who sometimes look in the mirror and think, I am a failure, nobody loves me, I need to pretend to be something I'm not so I can get the acceptance I desire. And the truth is, God has accepted you beyond your belief, so much so that he, in fact, is the one who created you. And he created you not to be garbage, not to be unimpressive, not to be nothing, but to be a masterpiece for a purpose, to do good works that he prepared for you. You were made for something. No matter what you think about yourself, that is not true unless it lines up with the truth that you were chosen, you were forgiven, you were adopted into God's family, you were made alive, and you are a masterpiece who is made for something more than just looking in the mirror and feeling like a failure. Because you're not a failure. You may have failed. We all have. You may have failed horribly. Most of us have. But you're not a failure. You are a masterpiece. A masterpiece beyond what you've done and what you think. A masterpiece in who created you. And for something. Good works. We often don't feel like masterpieces. We might feel good for one day and think, hey, I'm doing right. This is all good. I love my life. And then the next day, it's gloomy outside and we get a phone call that we enjoy or, you know, our favorite show is hard to find on Netflix for some reason or they took it off Netflix. Like, what's going on? And then we don't feel like a masterpiece. We don't feel that good. But our feelings are not facts. And the fact is that God created you and he called you his best work. You are God's best work. That's pretty impressive. You should be pretty impressed with yourself. Actually, you should be pretty impressed with God. Because it's not something you've done on your own, but it's something he did because he loves you. You are God's best work. The one who made the mountains, the stars in the sky, the aurora borealis, the oceans, the butterflies, the sunsets, everything. The one who is the greatest creator, because he's only the only creator, who made everything good and beautiful, said you were the best piece of it all. You are a masterpiece. So what does it mean to live Like you are God's mail. You are God's beautiful epic poem. You are God's work of art. You are God's masterpiece. You are his handiwork. What does it mean to live like that? Well, it means you live doing good works that he prepared for you. So many of us, we try to do good works. We think, hey, I'm going to do something good. Whether it's something successful or something kind or whatever it might be, a mixture of both. And we focus on those things that we try to do, and sometimes we try to do them to be accepted, to be loved. 
And we don't feel like a masterpiece because we're just doing, doing, doing out of our own desire and strength. That's not what God's talking about. It's not what Paul is saying God wants for you. He says you are already accepted, loved, a beautiful creation, the best work God has done. And when you embrace that and when you know that, you can live a life that is in step with what he is doing with the rest of this creation and do good for others because he has made opportunity for you to do good for others. Now, some of us, we could read this and say, okay, well, God has made good works for me, like something very specific, like I am made for this, like I am made to be, uh, you know, a a mountain climber who, who tells mountain climbers that they are God's masterpiece. And that might be true. Maybe you were made for something very deeply specific, but I don't think that's what Paul is saying here. What I believe Paul is saying in the way the language in Greek kind of points to it is not a specific thing that you were made for, but a general concept. That you were made to do good because God made you and he said you were good. God made you and he said you were his best work, but sin got in the way. Sin, the missing of the mark, the missing of being fully human, what we've always been meant to be, the twisting and distorting of the reality of God's masterpiece, the broken picture of humanity that we became, that got in the way. And we tried to do some good works to get out of it, but it did not work out. But the truth is that in Christ, it does work out. In Christ, you are his best work. You are his masterpiece. You are his beautiful epic poem. The thing that is better than anything else that's been created. You are you. Deeply loved and valued you. You who doesn't need to earn people's approval and pretend to be something you're not because God has made you to be something better than you could be on your own. A work of art. An incredibly important work of art who was made to do good in this world. You are God's greatest work. Doesn't mean you, you know, you've got like the best looks or the most intelligence. That's not the point. The point is you as a human being, even in the things that you feel are flaws, God looks at you and says, you are the best thing I ever made. And then he looks at me and says, you are the best thing I ever made. And I've got something for you. To live a life that does good. Lives out of love because I've prepared you. And there might be something very specific that you're made for. There might be something that you have this calling for that is very, very specific. Like you are going to talk to mountain climbers about how beautiful they are in God's sight. Or, you know, you're going to love people who live on the streets or you're going to work in a church or you're you're just going to work in an office but you're going to be completely devoted to God and show people that God is loving us. And you might have something very specific or it might just be a general thing which I think it is for all of us. Even though we might have something specific, I don't know what ours is. But you were just made for good. That's what you're made for. That's what we're all made for. But until until we recognize who we really are as people who are chosen, adopted, made alive, 
masterpieces. Until we recognize who we are, we are not stepping into the good God has for us. Until we do that, until we know who we are behind the mask that we wear, behind the pretending, until we stop all of that and embrace the truth, we're going to keep pretending, keep trying to get more likes on Instagram, keep trying to get those people at school to like us or at work or our neighbors even, keep doing things to gain approval, missing out on this great gift of love. God is lavishly pouring out on us, saying, you are as good as it gets. And it's really good. You are God's masterpiece. You are his beautiful work of art. You need to live like it. And to live like it is to do good. Because that's what he made you. What I want you to do is embrace this. I want you to to declare it, that you know this to be true. And this might feel weird, but I would love for you in your home to say this. I would love for you to write it down, maybe put it in your phone and as a reminder every day when you wake up, maybe this is what wakes you up. I want you to know this, to embrace this, and to live it daily. This is what I want you to say. And it might be something good to say when you feel at your lowest. Because God has lifted you from there in ways you don't even realize. I want you to say this. I am a chosen, adopted masterpiece who's been made alive in Christ and made for something good. I am a chosen, adopted masterpiece who has been made alive in Christ and made for something good. You are a chosen, adopted masterpiece who's been made alive in Christ and made for something good. Don't ever forget it. Let's pray. God, you are the God who has chosen, who has adopted, who has made us in Christ as masterpieces. You call us your best work, and we were made for good. Thank you. And when we don't feel it, when we feel not so good, like we've messed up, like we are not worthy of this love, and we try to earn it in different ways, maybe doing our own works or pretending or whatever it might be, I pray, Holy Spirit, you remind us we are chosen, we are adopted, we are made alive in Christ, and it's not by anything we've done, but because we are God's greatest work, he has lavishly loved us in Christ and made us for something better than we can imagine. Help us to remember that. And help us to live lives of love that do your good works, God. And bless others so they can know that they are God's greatest work too. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.